when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's been a long seven days since myself and Sean have, have sat down to talk and a lot has happened and obviously we're going to focus on one thing here today on Biscuits, a hockey podcast. It's the fact that the United States women's hockey team thrashed the Canadian women's national team, crushed, destroyed them in a shootout by one goal to win the gold medal and claim U.S. dominance in the world of not just women's hockey, but I'm going to say hockey altogether. How does that make you feel, Sean, now that you're the inferior I feel like that, that that happened like a month ago. I feel like we've talked about that on this podcast before. <laughs> no, I, I. you know what? In in all seriousness, with, with no, no, no sarcasm or anything like that, mm-hmm. congratulations to the American women for winning a gold medal uh, despite all suffering from uh, some sort of significant injury that made them fall down any time any Canadian what? skated anywhere near them. What? That was a... Very you. gutsy performance, and I hope they all get their inner ear disorders looked at in time for uh, the next tournament. Well, the one, the one Canadian player definitely wanted to make sure that someone got their head examined when she skated across the ice and drove her forearm and elbow into the player's That's, head. See, that, see the, this is your cultural ignorance. That is a Canadian greeting. <laughs> That is, it's like, it's, you're, you're wishing, you're showing respect and wishing the other person good fortune. So, oh, okay. You're right. Maybe I'm, if you guys knew about any other countries, you would know that. By the way, I, I thought it was great last night because Mitch Marner did the Lamaru move in the shootout and on his penalty shot against Tampa. And that move is great when the goalie is like 5'9", and you can just skate around them because <laughs> Andre Vasilevsky is like six foot eleven. You're never going to beat him to the post, no matter how well you pull off the move. So just you know, take that in mind out there. If anyone's going to start doing the Lamaru and shootouts, make sure the goalie's not you know an NBA center size if you do it. Tip, yeah, tip for the minor kids. minor deal. Although I mean, like every goalie looks NBA center size to Mitch Marner, so <laughs> he may have just been confused. Ah, oh, buddy, what do, what do you what do you want to get into first? You want to get we into got a million the... things to talk about. Obviously, trade deadline yesterday. I I feel like the two biggest things from yesterday were the blockbuster that happened and then the blockbuster that did not happen. Right. So I let's start in in your neck of the woods uh, with the New York Rangers, Tampa Bay Lightning, a a pretty it's block, pretty big trade. I felt like a little bit let down because I don't know. I don't know what it was like down there, but like up here, we heard the trade was happening. We heard it was Ryan McDonough, and then like before the details came out, there was all this talk that it was like massive. Like uh, everyone on TV was like, mm-hmm. all the insiders are checking their phones, and they 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 were making faces like they couldn't tell us what was going on, but that it was just going to be like this massive blockbuster that was going to blow us all away. And then it was like you know it was slightly bigger than than what we thought, but. It was. It, it's still a big deal. Definitely the biggest deal of yesterday. I mean, you're you're there. You watch the Rangers. Give us the scouting report. Like, does this make? Um, does Ryan McDonough make the Lightning unbeatable? No, no. Do we no, play no. out the rest of the season anyways, just for fun? Or? Ryan McDonough hasn't been great this year. He really hasn't been. Like, he hasn't. Like when he first got to the Rangers, whether he was paired with like going way back to like Michael Sauer, or he was you know on the top pairing with whoever, whether it was Strawman, Girardi. I mean, he was really good, but I mean, I don't know if it's just because he's surrounded by so many bad players that he hasn't looked the same or he's been hurt, but I mean, he's still a massive, massive upgrade for their defense, but I don't necessarily think... I need to see how they use him, because if they got Eric Carlson, 
you could bump down, you can go, you can go Hedman and um, Strawman up top, and then you go, you know, down the left side, whatever you want, Coburn and Sergachev, and then you have Girardi and Schuster on the right, and you can bump out one of those two guys and or go or play seven D and minimize what they do. But if McDonough's going to be on your left side, your left side isn't really your weakness on defense. So I kind of want to see how he's deployed, but. Yeah, Ranger fans were. I, I, I just I don't know what the rush was to trade Ryan McDonough. I mean, it's a pretty decent package. Maybe you get two firsts out of it that are super late, but his contract's not pretty, odious. It, it, I don't know. It's a pretty good package. He's got a great contract. Nemestikov's not. I, uh, I I do feel like he's. I, I don't want to say overrated, but I, I feel like a we, little bit. He, he gets lumped into that top tier a little. I mean, he's he's in, a top thirty two, defenseman for sure. 2014, yeah. 2014, he finished eighth in the Norris voting. That's his only top ten finish in his career. And I don't. I mean, is he getting any votes this year? Well, probably, mm. probably not. So I mean, it's it's kind of he's good. He's good. Top pair on a lot of teams, but you know this this idea that he's a guy that you trade and you get this absolute windfall i mean I'll, I'll i'll tell you why i like it from the rangers perspective and why i think they did it even though i would agree that the the return was not overwhelming they've decided they're going to rebuild they know what direction they want to go in and i think sometimes there is a benefit once you've made that decision to just making the clean break yes and, and going in that direction and and taking a few purposeful strides in the direction you want to go because we i mean how many nhl teams do we see and you know we'll touch on some of them as we go around the league that are kind of in the same situation have have as much if not more need to rebuild as the rangers do and yet they never make that big move they, they just tinker they just you know they they just ship off third and fourth line pieces and you're kind of looking at it going okay when did when did the rebuild start you know, and you end up having that debate. You're not going to have that with the Rangers. There's no one's going to sit there and go, when did the rebuild start in New York? We know it started at the 2018 trade deadline because they, you know, they made the two big moves, this one and Rick Nash, that clearly, if nothing else, symbolizes that, okay, that the line has been drawn here and, and we are now into a, a new territory. Unlike Ottawa, who said, eh, let's wait a couple months and see what Unlike else we Unlike a lot of teams, get. yeah. They're, I mean, they're, we could we could go down the list, but yeah, I mean... I just so, I just don't love the return from the the the, the JT Miller Nemestikov part of the deal is weird to me because I don't know I, I it's not that Nemestikov is like a passenger on that Kucherov Stamkos line but he's definitely like he's like the fifth Beatle on that line you know like he's there's it's like guys like that you know whether it's Alex Burrows playing with the Sedins or Chris Kunitz playing with Crosby those guys always kind of get minimized but they definitely have this 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 innate ability to play with really talented players that I think maybe gets taken for granted. But if you're the Rangers, I don't know what, what you think you're going to get out of him playing with, you know, Mika Zibinijad and, and like, I don't know, Jesper Foss. Like, they don't really have much there. So, and you're going to have to pay him. And he needs a new contract, which in theory he might get in arbitration. And in arbitration, they're going to look at his numbers. Right. With with the Tampa guys and go, okay, he, he deserves this much so yeah, I mean that there is, but the clean break thing, I agree with risk totally. There. That's what they have to do, and let, and and the summer comes. I don't know how Henrik Lundqvist it doesn't get traded, whether he wants to or not. I mean, obviously he has control, yeah. but I mean, what are you going to do with him for the next two years if this is where you're at with your team? I mean, there's no point in having him. He can still be a number one goaltender. Why not? work something out it's hard to do it at the trade deadline which i think is why you can come out and be very vehement and say we're we're sticking with him he's our guy he wants to be because really what team needs an eight million dollar goaltender at the deadline that doesn't really happen so yeah any team that needs a goaltender at the deadline is already out of right the the running unless the kings want a third goaltender like with ben bishop and and whatever they did last year is it just me or do the kings love trading for goaltenders at the deadline just because they just like trading for goaltenders at the deadline. Like we have Jonathan Quick, who apparently everyone thinks is one of the best goaltenders to ever live. And it's always like, well, what if we went out and got Scott Wedgwood? All right. Well, this is what the Kings should do. I don't know. The Bishop thing was weird, but they, they've got the right approach. I think they're super defensive. So they bring in these goaltenders, let the goalie play enough that they put up good numbers and then they ship them off somewhere. And sometimes that guy ends up being Martin Jones and yeah. sometimes it's... <laughs> 
Jonathan Bernier or whoever else, but so Jonathan Bernier yeah, no, like I, 925 though this year he's he's pretty this good. year he is yeah, yeah. he's, he's, he's okay took, took him a few years to get back to it yeah you're, still, I don't, you're bitter I can I can sense the bitterness in your voice it's okay oh sure yeah yeah that's it's <laughs> uh, yeah uh, so yeah and and then Rick Nash that that was a good return right I mean we would agree that they, yeah. As a whole, the Rangers did. As a whole, did they did really well. I think as a whole, like I mean, they probably could have gotten more for Ryan McDonough if they really wanted to. But like you said, you just want to once that ball's rolling downhill and you've traded Nash and you've traded Grabner well, and you traded Holden, and, you may as well just do the whole everything you can at once. And and the other thing is like we talked about this last week, McDonough. Like it's hard to trade McDonough when Eric Carlson is looming over everything, and you know, that, that whether it made sense to, to maybe move him first and get out in front of it, especially if we had the scenario that we are going to have where Carlson now goes to the summer, you know, you, you maybe want to have your guy, your move already made so that you're not, you're not having teams wait around. Cause I, you certainly get the sense that Tampa was in on Carlson until the very end. And it wasn't until late in the day where it, it seems like the senators made the call that they weren't going to, going to make this move that's suddenly when you had traction on on Ryan McDonough and and you could you could find a spot for him find a place to move him but but yeah probably not as much as if if he had been the number one defenseman on the on the block for two weeks leading up to the deadline you'd probably get more yeah but that's that wasn't the case so you, you know I think they did I think they did the best they could and I think that the Rick Nash like I like the Nash deal a lot I mean I, there's there's people out there trying to tell me that Ryan Spooner's maybe as good as Rick Nash, and I'm I'm not quite yeah, there. He might but be. the fact that you can even make that case and bit. you load up first round pick and and other stuff with it, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I, it's just the, the Rick Nash thing. I've said this a million different times, a million different ways. But wanting a guy who's hasn't cracked forty points in three years, who's known as a guy that doesn't get it done in the playoffs, and to give up all that plus a rostered guy. And now today, Patrice Bergeron's out for at least two weeks, so you've you've hurt your center depth with an injury there, and you don't have Ryan Spooner anymore. Yeah, it's it is that part of the deal was weird for me. Everything Boston did, we're we're just going to be scattershot all over the place today. But everything Boston did, I it seemed detrimental to winning in a way. Like like Rick Nash, fine, whatever, fine. Nick Holden, Brian Gianta. Tommy Wingles, like, like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, if you're in it, to well, win clearly, it. I mean, we know what they're doing. Is Don Sweeney listened to the podcast last week? Yeah, where we talked about him making <laughs> one trade in two weeks, or in two years rather, and then he goes and makes whatever three or four. I'll show those in, biscuits guys in a week. Yeah, one of which he made before the podcast even got out there. So I know he yeah. whoever leaked an advance copy to Don Sweeney. Weird, weird week for Bond. Yeah, because they had all that, and and then Patrice Bergeron breaks his foot on Saturday, plays on Sunday, and then oops, yeah. my foot's broken. What which a I, I have, the doctors on Twitter are explaining to me is not actually all that unusual, and because of the type of fracture it was and that sort of thing. But um, I mean, the the fact that they're going to miss him for two weeks doesn't really matter because they right. had a shot at catching Tampa, but not. I mean, really, they're they're going to play the Leafs in the first round. So get your. You know, same same with the Leafs, right? Austin Matthews could probably play today, but they're going to shut him down for a few weeks, get him healthy. Do the same with Bergeron. Makes sense. Yeah, as long as it doesn't linger into the playoffs, which I'm pretty sure a fractured foot won't, unless you no. you know continuously play on it, like like Patrice Bergeron yeah. did, because he's so tough and and gritty and a leader and blah. Well, blah, you needed blah, those. Blah. You needed you needed you beat your best against the Buffalo Sabers. I mean, you don't. <laughs> what did they lose four one? Did they say they could have lost five one? I mean, that would have been. I think they're 0-2 since they got Nick Holden and Rick Nash. I'm just saying. I don't know. There you go. Yeah, like, I don't... I, Brian, Gianta, I don't see... I didn't see it at the Olympics. No, like It was weird. Like, no. Because Chris Kelly got signed, too, from Team Canada yeah. by the Ducks. And I did, like... It feels like they... These GMs had made their minds up about who they were going to sign before the Olympics started. And then... Because it's not like anybody had like a, an amazing Olympics and you're like, all right, like, let's go grab that guy. It was just like the, the bigger name veterans who had already played in the NHL recently just got brought back. Like people were talking about James Wisniewski getting a contract and he was like, he was like a glorified extra defenseman who just poorly one-time pucks from the Ovechkin spot. That was all he yeah. did. And it was like, whoa, man, we got to get him back in the NHL. Like, do we really though? I don't, I don't think we do. 
This is a team that lost in the quarterfinals. Like, this isn't like a team. Like, yeah, if Brian Gianta like led this team on a run and he had like two goals and two assists in six games or whatever, something he, like he he literally did not register a point against a slew of guys except for Russia, I guess, who aren't ever going to be in the NHL or haven't been in the NHL in years or just aren't good enough to be in the NHL. And then the Bruins said, we need a guy like that on our team for the playoff run. Like, what? Why? Why would you do that? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't get it, but it's a lot of moves. Yeah. I, don't I don't know. Get. It's got it's it's got to be in a way be a little bit frustrating for the Bruins because they spent the whole week improving or at least making moves that they thought were going to improve, and then you know you you got right up to the deadline and you're thinking maybe Tampa hasn't done anything and maybe we really closed the ground and yeah. then Tampa just drops the bomb. Same thing for the Leafs, right? I mean, they go and Thomas Plekanec, you know, decent deal, not super expensive. Right, gave something. up a couple of prospects who weren't really prospects, and you're feeling okay. And then the Bruins get Rick Nash and the Lightning get Ryan McDonough and you're, you've lost ground even though you gave up assets to do it. No, nah, it's fine. I love the Toronto patient approach. You know, there's there's still there's still so much time. There's there's even I know at some point you have to pay all your guys that are on entry level deals, but there's no there's no reason to panic and try and push to yeah. get a title this year. And you can and Toronto is still good enough. Like I still think it's Tampa, uh, Pittsburgh and Nashville's world, even though Winnipeg got Paul Stastny, but Toronto's. I mean, I think that, but it doesn't mean Toronto can't can't run through the the East and get to the Stanley Cup final this year. I don't think they will because the playoff setup is so stupid and unfair that for Toronto to do it, they have to beat the best and probably the second or third best team in the conference in order to do it in the first two rounds because mm-hmm. this league is dumb. But yeah, like just I like I I'm I'm a big fan of just having a really good team. And just picking up like one depth guy, that's fine. You don't really need anything else. You've already squeezed Matt Martin out of the lineup. You're icing your best defenseman most of the time now. You've, 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 I mean, they, Toronto hasn't completely uh, bagged Roman Polak from the lineup, but, you know, mm-hmm. once everyone's healthy, Toronto can I mean, do the, some the Leafs are, they're good. They're a good team. If their goalie stands on his head, yeah. they can beat anyone. If, if the other team's goalie stands on their head, they're going to lose. I mean, that's, that's really. Like was what there was there any deal out there that happened where you were like, oh, I wish Toronto would have done that? Like Brandon. Davis no, I mean the the only the only guy that that they were rumored to be in on that would have really moved the needle was McDonough, right? And I, you know, we don't know what that would have looked like, but McDonough wouldn't necessarily have fit in Toronto because of the lefty righty thing and and how Babcock's really so so strict on that that he would have either had to move or he would have been bumping. Travis Dermott or someone out of the lineup because they already have Gardner and Riley on that side and so they needed a right-handed uh they needed a righty yeah so. you don't want to you don't want to bump down Riley or Gardner for a year and a half that yeah I mean uh, I'm, I'm I, there were too many bad moves that I that I hated except for maybe Ottawa not doing anything which it's just there, there's something really bad about your franchise where you're 29th in the league and you you have a decent chance at falling at least the thirtieth, maybe even thirty first, and getting all the lottery balls you can for for Darlene. And you have mm-hmm. Eric Carlson, and you trade him, and you lose him for the last six weeks. You're you're going to sink even further and up your chances at, at having the the best rebuild well, possible. And now Ottawa's going into next season with fewer draft picks than like Montreal. Like they have no second and third round pick for next year. They have a yeah. first, and they have they have they have a. Pittsburgh's first, which isn't going to be great. They traded their first for Matt Duchesne. Like, they're all over the mm-hmm. place. Like, it, it has to be so miserable to be an Ottawa fan because it's like they're going for it and then they're not. And then they're all about saving money. And then they're like, oh, it's we're trading the, Eric Carlson. The whole thing, top to bottom, is miserable. Fans, <sighs> players, like I, like I wrote about this. Like, let's, you know, Carlson, you assume, is, is probably not happy, but who knows. Um, but, I mean, just even you look at the rest of that team like Mike Hoffman had to hear his name get kicked around in trade rumors for a month and then he doesn't go anywhere uh but I mean poor Bobby Ryan got spent the entire week have like just as the albatross that got hung around Eric Carlson's neck that was gonna you know ruin this trade and then you know had all these fans preemptively mad at him for that you got you know like Mark Stone Mark Stone's got to sign a new deal in the summer with these guys like how yeah. I'm sure he's really anxious to to lock in for eight more years of of this, and and I mean you just go up and down the whole organization, you know, including scouts and front office employees and pretty much everyone who 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 works for that organization is 
seen better days. Let's put it that way. There's, there's, uh, there's not a lot of optimism. And I think there's, you know, there's kind of two camps here in Ottawa, as far as I read it. There is still a camp of fans that are saying, this is great. They didn't trade Eric Carlson. Now they can re-sign him. Are there really? And I've, you know, everything I've heard says, nobody believes that. That's not going to happen. Now, you know, we're talking June. So it's four months away. A lot changed in the situation in the last four months. So maybe a lot can change in the next four months. But I, 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 I think you, you're going to go through this whole thing again in June. And then, you know, the, the other half, which I think is the, the bigger half of the fans up here, is, are the ones saying we'll, we'll do better in June, trading him in June than we would have this week. And yeah, maybe. Maybe. Like, here's the thing. You're going to have more teams in the bidding. I don't think there's any question about that. More cap room. There's going to be more. There's going to be teams that, you know, there's going to be teams that were maybe not contenders this year that weren't looking to add at the deadline that might decide in the summer that, you know, we want to reload. Like, we we don't want to rebuild. We want to go and get Eric Carlson and build around him. So I think there'll be more teams in the running. The question is whether that translates to better offers because two or three teams with a real sense of urgency can get you a better return than 10 teams that are all just kind of like dipping a toe in and, yeah. and thinking they they might, but you know, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I mean, from, from Ottawa's perspective, you, you have to think that you probably lost Tampa as a destination, which was your, in, in, on paper at least seemed to be your best fit. I don't know. Vegas apparently was the team that was in right till the, the last minute. I, you know, if Vegas goes out early in the playoffs, what do they, do they really go into the summer still thinking that they're cup contenders or do they maybe take a step back and, and refocus on the medium to longer term? You know, I, I don't know. Do, yeah. you know, some of these other teams, there, there's going to be some, like some team that maybe might've wanted him is going to go on a long run and say, we don't need him anymore. But some other team that maybe wasn't in the running will go out in the first round and panic and, and now they'll want to jump in. You know, I get. We'll see. You know, the 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 one thing in Ottawa you hear every now and then is people point to Matt Duchesne and they'll say, you know, everybody ripped the Avalanche for not moving him last year's deadline. They didn't even move him during the off season, and then they found some sucker out there to pay an overpay to get him. And that sucker was us here in Ottawa. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> Why can't we do it? And it's it. The thing is that though, it's a different situation, right? It's that. <laughs> The extra year of the contract, the the different tier of player. Plus Pierre, I don't know, Pierre, Pierre Dorian calling up himself to try to rip himself off in the Matthew Shane trade. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? I really, I don't, I'm not convinced that they uh, do better in the summer yeah. than they would have this week. Obviously, I don't know what the offers were. You don't, you know, who knows what's going on behind the scenes. And, I'm assuming they were holding out for like Sergeyev and Point and they were like, no, we're not giving you those guys. And they yeah, said, fine, and, we'll wait. And they... And they should have been. I yeah. mean, and, and you know, because because Eiserman, it was pretty clear what his game was when you saw that he was in the market for some of these big name players, and yet all you kept hearing from Tampa was that they absolutely, under no circumstances, would move somebody off the roster, which was a brilliant thing to get out there. Because then, when he does end up moving Domestnikov, it's like, oh yeah, we we got him to bend. We got Steve Eiserman to uh, to to give up on his his big uh you know the the big line in the sand he'd drawn and meanwhile it's like wait a second we just got a player who wasn't even all that good but he's convinced you that it's a big win to pry somebody off of his off of his team so yeah i mean if they were holding out for those guys great that's that's good if if it was if it really was about bobby ryan or whatever else then that's bad i don't know that's bad because because at some point i mean if you're going to trade guys off your roster like eric carlson's going to be due 10 million bucks in a year that's if you don't want to pay him okay fine but you still have to pay somebody on your team it's not like you have all these other guys that are making huge dollars that are you're preventing you from winning you just keep bobby ryan and get everything you can for eric carlson and worry about bobby ryan later but the thing a, a thing i love too was um like Vegas, by all accounts, was completely in on the idea of getting Eric Carlson. They wanted Eric Carlson, and then they don't get him, and they just trade for Thomas Tatar. For I, I don't understand yeah. that trade. But I, the thing I liked about it was afterward, George McPhee was like, "I just wanted to keep this team together because they earned the right to do it." Like really, because you were trying to get Eric Carlson just like a minute ago. I don't think that was really what you wanted to do. They but, earned okay. the right. Okay. 
Sure. It's been a long road for us, but they yeah. earned the right in there. <laughs> We've fought and struggled since October. Five months. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, I don't know, man. I Vegas, like, I see why Vegas would be in, because I think there's an element of it where, I mean, A, yeah, you can bring in a franchise player, you can market the whole team around him, you build, like, you got a good chance to, to re-sign him, you're a good destination. I can see all of that, but there's also this feeling where it's like, you know, we're maybe catching lightning in a bottle this year. Maybe this is just one of those crazy years everything's clicking everything's hitting let's take a shot at it and if they don't go deep into the playoffs i you know i can see them like i say kind of refocusing in the offseason and saying all right we're let's not act like we're a cup contender whose window is closing in the next year or two and let's let's look a little longer down the horizon in which case does it make sense to give up a ton for for eric carlson I don't, you know, I don't know. That that's the part that worries me if I'm an Ottawa fan is you had the chance to sell two playoff runs worth of Eric Carlson and you you chose to hold off and sell one playoff run instead. That maybe you get a higher price for one rather than two, but I don't I I it's certainly no sure thing. Let's put it that way. I, I can't wait till Vegas loses in like the first or the second round and then Vegas fans are like, this is terrible. This is not what I signed up for when I got season tickets. I can't believe we lost to the Dallas Stars. We should have got Carlson. We should have paid whatever we should have get paid for Carlson. This team has a losing culture. Yeah. They can't. <laughs> they never come through in the clutch. Oh, God. But yeah. speaking of Vegas and I guess speaking of Ottawa too, explain to me mm-hmm. the Derek Broussard thing. Because that's the that that's oh. the big trade that the Senators did make. They they Broussard winds up in Pittsburgh at, on a deal that I loved because you know we've we've talked about this over the years. Like the NHL GMs always going on and on about how complicated their trades are and how we can't oh we you we can't put this trade together in only two months. It's so complicated, and then the complication ends up being that one team retains 20% of the salary like and that's it or there's like a minor condition and finally we got an actual complicated trade an honest to god trade that like most people still I don't think understand exactly where all the pieces went and how it and and how it worked out but I don't for the life of me understand why Vegas eats yeah a couple of million dollars in in real money and Ryan Reeves to get Ryan Reeves (laughs) Who cost him the game last pick. night? Did you watch the yeah. game last night? Yeah, no, I didn't watch, but I, I yeah, he took the penalty. It right was 2 nothing, and he's out there against Andre Kopitar for some reason. I don't know if it was an icing before that or whatever, and he hooks Kopitar, leads to a power play, which leads to a goal that makes it 2-1, and then they tie it and win it in, in overtime. Like, I, I get going out and getting Thomas Tatar, you know, even though it's way too much money, but a, apparently George McPhee was really afraid of Derek Broussard going to Winnipeg, is the story. Right. Is I don't want to have Winnipeg get Derek Broussard. But like, well, you know he's not the it's, only it's, center available, yeah. right? Like it's it's the idea that he, he didn't, he was trying to keep him from going west. Yeah. And but, the only team that makes sense there is Winnipeg, right? Like there wasn't, and, and that to me, like, I mean, okay, so you, you try to keep him away. Like Winnipeg's in a different division. You're not going to play them until the third round, which right. seems to me pretty far into the future to be worried about at all. But if you are worried about how you match up with Winnipeg in the conference final, it's because you're thinking ahead to beating these guys to go to the Stanley Cup final. And I got news for you for who very well might be waiting for you in the Stanley Cup final. Like usually teams that consider themselves Stanley Cup contenders... They don't, care. don't go out of their way to yeah. facilitate other Stanley Cup contenders getting better. You know, at least not without a a big payoff. I mean, like you know, they got a fourth round pick, and I, I'm 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 assuming Ryan Reeves is somebody they wanted, and that you know they view that as an asset coming back. But I don't to know. to end up paying you know a couple, I know the, I know the cap room doesn't matter to them, but the real dollars like they're they're on the hook for on this guy's contract makes no sense it makes i no don't get sense. it it didn't it, it doesn't make sense and the whole you know keep them out of the west doesn't make sense especially because as you say like what did they think winnipeg was going to do like if winnipeg was in on Derek broussard did they think winnipeg was going to go well i guess that was it that was the only guy we could get and instead winnipeg goes out and makes a pretty similar deal and brings in a pretty similar player which i don't know you i don't know what you thought of that but i i like that deal a lot i you know, I think Paul Stastny's yeah, it's great. 
That's a, that's probably good the fit. That's good probably rental. that's probably my favorite rental move is Paul Stastny because he's he's yeah. he's he's not great, but he's 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 like right in that very good area where he's he's yeah. not going to disappear in the playoffs. He's probably not going to win a series for you, but the Winnipeg you bring Jets him in as your third line center. Yeah. Like that's great. something we're we're starting to learn is that you know you some of these guys can come in and they can it can really transform your team not because the player himself is so good but because it lets you just just change how you're rolling your lines out like we've how many teams have we seen in the last couple of years make relatively minor changes on their fourth line and it has a major difference because you know i mean that's eight minutes a night where instead of getting your teeth kicked in you're now playing hockey <laughs> this is a case where you know he comes in and plays on the third line so maybe that's you know maybe that's 12 or 15 minutes a night but suddenly now it's 12 or 15 more minutes a night where you've got a, a scary line not just a line that you put out there and and hope that they they can they can be neutral but a line that actually is a threat and you know you see other teams you know Pittsburgh being the obvious example that can roll those three lines like you can't match up against a team that has three good offensive lines you you pick one to to try to take away one that you hope you can you can stay even with and then the third one's gonna run wild on you and then, i mean we've seen it in pittsburgh the last few years phil kessel usually being the guy doing it you know this is the kind of move that maybe lets winnipeg be another one of those teams that that rolls those three lines or, you know whether that's because stastny's on the third line or whether because you move him up and move someone else down and, and guys move around you know, there's there's talk that they're going to start them tonight with uh, Laney and, and Ehlers. That I mean, that's pretty that's, good. That's pretty good. That's a good. You know, for Kevin Shoveldayov, a guy who doesn't trade, and has taken, in my opinion, rightfully so, a, a lot of heat for not trading. He's, uh, you know, I when he does it, he's pretty good at it, and uh, I like this one. Didn't give up too much, and and also. I, I just I love the fact that he lottery protected the first round pick. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> just in case they lose twenty straight games, finish with the fourteenth best odds, and then have like the point eight percent chance come through and they win the lottery. He's still pretty like I would love to have heard that part of the conversation where like Doug Armstrong's like, "All right, man, good, <laughs> good doing business with you. I'll I'll get this sent into the league." And and Shovel Def's like, "Just there's just one more thing." Actually, can we just do this? Uh, how like, do you feel oh, about here, lottery here protection? Comes. Wait for for my I pick. Lottery protection or your pick? How does that work? Why would I do that? What for? Like what top? Yeah, just for top three. Yeah, okay, okay sure. Right, <laughs> write it, hand write it in. I don't I don't have time, but I've got other I've got other pieces I'm trying to unload off my team that was a contender two weeks ago. Yeah, Vice Biscuits first to report that the St. Louis Blues were going to collapse during the season. I think that was us. I think we had that conversation. Okay. I, 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 I get conversations in real life and then on podcasts confused. I don't know if I said that on here or if I said that on another podcast or just to myself in my apartment. But I'm I don't think sure. I said it, so I'm going to give you credit as uh, that's reported. Us. That's us. Must credit Dave Lozo. Yeah, boy, that's... right. And did you see there was... Uh, who who was there? Was it Braden Shen? Yeah, he was displeased. Somebody he was a displeased had, man. Yeah, he was kind of like, yeah, we're we thought we were trying to make the playoffs here, so you still yeah, can. We'll, the bottom of the they West still is can, great. but you can still get there. Paul Stastny. Well, it, it, they did it last year, right? With they they did the exact same thing. They traded Kevin Shattenkirk and still made the playoffs, but you know, obviously didn't right, didn't go on a, a big really run. But, but go, going back to Carlson, like that that was why I really liked the idea of Carlson going to Tampa more than McDonough because again, it depends on how they roll out their guys, but. In Tampa, if your top five in any order you want to put them in is Hedman, Strawman, Carlson, and then you have Coburn and Sergachev, and you can stick Girardi as the six or whatever. Um, you need that when you go against a team like the Jets that are now three deep at center. Same thing with the yeah. Penguins, because you can hide Girardi for 82 games if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning because you have so many talented players. It doesn't really matter in the regular season. You're going to put up either... 115 without him or 110 with him. It doesn't matter. But in the playoffs, when that third line has a Broussard and Kessel on it, you're, you you can't eye Dan Girardi. This is how the Sharks yeah. lost with friggin' Roman Polak and Brendan Dillon going on the ice for 16 minutes and but, getting pummeled. So, but you can if you've got those two guys. You're right. It's, yeah. it's, like, it's like the 2007 Ducks where it was like half an hour of Pronger, half an hour of Niedermeyer every night. 
There you go. And, and we work the rest of the guys in a round. So there's a Hall of Famer on the ice. Yeah, they can do that. On the blue line every single time. And and McDonough, you know, he's... McDonough is... It's not Pronger. He's yeah. not... And he's not Carlson. But he's he's a good plan B. And I understand. And, you know, again, Steve Eisenman, this guy knows what he's doing. He, I think, pretty clearly went hard after Carlson. When it became apparent it wasn't going to happen, he had a plan B. And he was able to... Uh, to to make that plan B happen without having to pay desperation prices, where you know the in theory the Rangers could have been like, oh look who's come back. I guess Carlson didn't work out. Now we're our price just went up from what it was a couple of days ago. But but Jeff Gordon either couldn't do that or didn't or knew that Eiserman doesn't seem like a guy that would necessarily work on. All right, let's uh let's take a little break. It's the middle of the show. We gotta we gotta sell some stuff in England. You know how it is. Gotta pay the bills. Uh, we'll be right back, and we'll talk. I'm assuming uh, we'll we'll get in depth on uh, the, uh, the the Tyler the Taylor Mott Tyler Mott trade because that's a huge deal for the Canucks. And um, stay tuned. We'll be back in I don't know 30 seconds, a minute. I have no idea how long the ads are, but we'll still be here afterwards. Thanks. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, we're back. It's uh, the trade deadline extravaganza post-trade deadline extravaganza. And we've, we've extravaganzed a lot of the trades so far. A lot of good stuff. A lot of, a lot of it was probably the best trade deadline since the nineties. I want to say. I don't know. I, I don't know if it goes that far, but it was. It, it was, was a good. good. I've seen some people say it was a letdown, or and like in terms of the volume, it was it was less than we're used to. But I thought, like to me, the trade deadline isn't just the trades that get made. It's also the guys that that are on the block that don't get moved. Like I mean, Eric Carlson made this. A fun trade deadline, even though he didn't ultimately get traded. They were trying to move him, though. You could tell they were. Yeah. it wasn't like a bluff. Like, oh, that's just some exactly. big name out there. That was a thing that. Or could it happen. wasn't something where we just, you know, we all collectively decided to float this big name to entertain ourselves, and it, it turned out not to be, not to really be on the block. One guy who who was a big name that maybe wasn't on the block, or maybe was. It's we're not really sure because it's confusing right now. But Max Pacioretty, uh, he was doesn't get traded even though we've been hearing reports out of Montreal that they were shopping him going back to November. So here's my question. Did Mark Bergevin decide not to trade Max Pacioretty Hmm. or did, was Mark Bergevin told that he could not trade Max Pacioretty and that they would wait and wait for the off season, which would mean... Hmm presumably somebody else would do it. Feels like the second one to me. It really does. Because Max Pacioretty is he's signed through the year after next, right? Or no, until Yeah, he's ne- got one year to go. Yeah, one more year. So, he's he's a he's a very valuable piece at this point. It's he's having a terrible season, but he's still Max Pacioretty. You're still you know, if you can get if you can get a conditional first for like a Vander Kane, you can get a conditional first plus like another conditional first probably from Max Pacioretty, I would say. So you if, think. You're, if you're Montreal and your season's over and you're going to go in a different direction because your idiot GM sabotaged, sabotaged the team two years ago and they're never going to recover from it until they start from scratch. Yeah, it's the same thing as Eric Carlson where you just want to give a guy a chance or give a team a chance to have a guy for a playoff run plus another playoff run. And again, it's it just seems like that's not... like it. it as a as a fantasy baseball champion, Sean, I just I just want to let you know that that in my league where we have contracts and and you can hold on to a guy for more than a year, um, a guy like Max Pacioretty is so valuable. Like you want to get that guy on your team, you're willing to pay a premium for him. Yet it just seems like in the NHL, 
like even the Ryan McDonough Hall, like that feels like a rental hall to me. That doesn't feel like a year plus hall. So I don't know if maybe we're overvaluing the idea of the two playoff runs well, or if teams are undervaluing it. Because I think the, part of the issue is I always get the sense that a lot of these GMs, they put more value on expiring contracts, which always seems weird to me because it's like yeah. if you want to get this player, it seems to me like, you know, every now and then I'll, you'll hear about a guy and they'll be like, ah, but... Uh, but he's still got three years left on his deal. Okay, well, but is that good value? Like Mike Hoffman was one of those. And people were like, ah, teams might not want to take on the years that are left. He's underpaid. Why wouldn't you want to take on years that are underpaid? Why Why wouldn't you want, you know, Pacioretty's another case of that. Seems like those are the guys you'd you'd be you'd be jumping on the chance to get. You know, if you mm-hmm. want to go out and get like Rick Nash on an expiring deal, then yeah, by all means, where he's making almost $8 million on the cap. But uh, yeah, it's like these GMs are, they, it's, it's almost like they can see that everyone else's contracts are bad, but they're convinced that the contracts they sign are going to be fine. So when it's somebody else's deal, they're like, oh, I don't want any part, two years left at five. Oh, that's crazy. I can't, I don't want that. But then they'll turn around and give the same sort of player six million when it's their turn. Did you, did so you, I, did you read the, the, the quotes from Pacioretty yesterday? Yeah. So which that, that tells me he really wants out. Like he seems like a broken, miserable man who just doesn't want to be there anymore. Well, so did not tra- again. It's almost like the Carlson thing where not trading Eric Carlson is really like torture for Ottawa fans. And now not trading Pacioretty, you're just going to torture him for two see, more months. That was no my, my read on it going in was that he wanted out. And I, you know, I even I wrote in my my post deadline thing. I was like, you know, he's he's he feels like one of the losers of the day because he wanted out and he didn't get it. And then his his comments last night implied that he didn't want out but it was it was it wasn't in the sense of i don't want to leave this situation it was kind of more like i was happy until all this crap started like i i didn't ask to leave i like it here my family is here my family likes it here but i want to know like he had some comment along the lines of like we need to figure out why this all happened and and i think he's yeah the second kind of kind of looking at it as like what why did management why did they put my name out there in the first place uh and and why did nobody deny it and why did this 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 all come down like this so long story short it it doesn't shock me if max patcheretti sticks around because mac mark bergeron is gone mm. and maybe a new gm comes in and and that that can mend the situation because i but i have a very hard time picturing Mark Bergevin and Max Pacioretty both being Montreal Canadiens by, let's say, a few days after the draft. Let's put it that way. Also, all the stuff about his kids and his family. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm maybe I'm just dead inside. But like holding up <laughs> holding up your family as a shield when you're being criticized for having a really bad season. I mean, that's that's part of the deal. You're the captain of yeah, whatever it is, team. But at the same time, he like, he I'm hasn't human, really I'm done human, that. I'm a human until being. Now. Yeah. I don't like know. he he kind of kept it. As best he could, because you could tell it was really bothering him. But you know, he he kind of didn't unleash this until the deadline was done, which I, I'll give him credit for to that extent. Like he waited until it was it was over. He did because you know he didn't he didn't do it, say anything that would potentially short circuit anything the team was working on or or make it more or less likely for him to go. But it was kind of like okay, I did this, I endured it all. Now I'm going to give you the real story. And you know, I, uh, I don't know, man. That's like the the idea that like you, you're at his locker and you're just like, hey, Max, you know, you haven't scored a goal in 12 games. What's going on? And he like takes out a picture of his kids in his wallet. Like, yeah. Duh, buddy, I'm not I'm not trying to make your kids cry. I just have a job, See, job to I do. I didn't read it so much that way as him just saying like, you know, because part of the criticism that he's come in for in Montreal is that is that it has seemed so much like it bothers him, right? Like every time he talks to the media. He looks, you know, he's yeah, he not like some stoic guy who who looks like he's, you know, just, you know, just he, he's 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 nobody's idea of, you know, a Jonathan Taves type captain where, you know, he just stares straight ahead and gives you the, you know, <laughs> it was clear it was bothering him. And I, I felt like it was more a response to that where it was kind of like, all right, yeah. you know, we've we've watched you for three months look like you were trying to swallow your own tongue every time you were standing here. And, you know, he was kind of giving that explanation of look you know like 
yeah, I get, I haven't scored a lot of goals. I get that the team's not doing well, but th- there is a bigger picture here. And, you and, know, that is why. And it's a picture of my wife and kids. And it's a picture. <laughs> there is literally a bigger picture here. I'm standing in front of it. I'm going to unveil it now. <laughs> and you can direct all further questions to my yeah. child's teddy bear that they're clutching in that photo. I didn't, it didn't, I, I'm normally, I'm with you if, if, if I felt like it had been as a defense of, of what he was doing on the ice, but I, I, I read it as more an explanation of why he had seemed so miserable for the last little while. And maybe now won't be, well, maybe now it's, yeah. although, you know, this is, you, you watch it. The same people who've been criticizing him for being miserable. If he stops being miserable, will be like, what well, can't, doesn't he know where they are in the standings? Why aren't you? Oh yeah. You can't win there. There's no way to win. So, so in a way it's, a, it's actually a smart play because now, you know, you can just be like, well, you, you're, you're gonna, his, his son was wearing the jersey in school on trade deadline day, which, by the way, is a gutsy move by his kid because on trade deadline so, day, yeah. to wear that jersey to your school, I mean, that's... I want to know what jerseys he had on underneath. <laughs> just ready to go. A Max Pacioretty Vegas Golden Knights jersey underneath. He's just, ah, oh, yeah. let's go Vegas. Uh, you know what else was kind of weird for me? I feel like that the, um, the, the, the value of stuff in the NHL has morphed out of control to the point where Ryan Hartman is worth a first-round pick. And there's oh, who yeah. else was it? There's someone else, too, who got traded for a first-round pick that made no sense to well, There's a lot of first-round picks. I think there were five. Yeah. All the, I mean, some of them were conditional. And, yeah, there was, there was someone else who was, who was a first-round pick, and the, it was because of their contract, because of the value of their... Like, there, there's something really weird about... Ryan Hartman being worth a first-round pick because at this stage of his career, he's making X amount of money and has this many controllable years left. Like, you want to trade first-round picks, even if they're going to be 28, 29, 30, whatever, for guys that are really... Like, he's not terrible or anything. You think for guys are really good, but at the same time... It's so weird. I'm kind of... I'm split on this, because on the one hand, I think you can make a really good argument that if you're going to trade your first-round pick, getting multiple years of 23-year-old Ryan Hartman is a better play than getting three months of 33 year old Rick Nash or, or whoever. I mean, he's yeah. going to have more of an impact on that team, certainly in the long term, than a guy who, oh, who Tatar, that's isn't going to be there. Yeah. Thomas Tatar is worth a first, yeah. second and a third well, because he's, I, see, that was too much. And that was like, yeah. I, I know people say, well, the golden Knights have a lot of picks, but like having a lot of picks is not like having a lot of goalies where you're like, Oh, we got too many goalies. We got to move on. What can you do? You gotta, <laughs> or, or even too many defensemen, which is what the Knights, you know, have spent the whole year, claiming that they have you've got too many picks like use your picks there's no uh you know that they, they don't go down in value because you have too many of them because you can't have too many so i didn't although i will say i i did appreciate because i wrote on friday about how nhl gm should go back to trading picks way in the future like doing the sam pollock thing and one of the picks in that trade was like 2021 so I appreciate that. I like think that they that they managed and that like three years into the future, if there is one, we're gonna be sitting around like, why does wait, why does Detroit have this pit? Oh right, yeah, I remember that guy who went to the KHL a year and a half ago. Like, yeah, that was some it's been traded to some franchise that didn't exist at the time of the trade and it's like, Oh, Seattle has this pick. When did Seattle get this pick? How did that happen? Yeah. Oh. That's what I'm so yeah, I didn't yeah, too too much on that. That the Hartman trade, like like I said, I can see it, and I had a lot of people, because my first reaction was like, you gave up a first-round pick for Ryan Hartman, and then I had people kind of explaining, like, well, actually, here's where the value is there. So I get it. It's just I I don't get Nashville, of all teams, being the one to do that. Like, yeah. you think if any team could be the one that was going to be short-sighted and look for a guy who's just going to help this year, that Nashville's one of the few teams that could make that case. There's other teams that should probably, yeah, they, they probably should be going for Ryan Hartman's instead of some of the guys that uh, some of the rentals, but it's just, you know, it's the opportunity cost, right? Cause now David Poyle, like that trade happened relatively early in the day. Now David Poyle doesn't have his first round ammo to work with as the, as the deadline ticks down. And I don't know that that struck me as a little odd trade deadline. David Poyle is a totally different guy than non trade deadline. David Poyle, yeah. like one day of the year, he's just like, I got to get some fourth liners and some healthy scratches. And it's like, why, why do you need to, why you don't really, but Ryan Hartman's not, he's going to score 20 goals. He's fine. It's just, he's fine. It's just weird. I just, I don't know. I, I, something's broken with the CBA where like, that's so much more valuable than like, you know what I mean? Like, like 
if if but Eric Carlson's available, players... people should be throwing their their wives and children and 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 mothers and fathers at teams to get Eric Carlson. There shouldn't be like this. Eh, yeah. I don't know. He's gonna... like oh Ryan Hartman. Yeah, let me give you a first. Oh man, but I do absolutely. think teams are starting to realize that guys peak early, especially forwards. I mean, I saw like I saw so many things this week where people would. Like I saw something or someone was writing about Ryan McDonough and they're like, uh, as it related to the Leafs, and they're like, this is a chance for the Leafs to get a, a top defenseman who's just entering his prime. And it's like, what? have you not looked at any of the <laughs> work that's been done on aging curves? And Like this is not, you don't, you don't hit your peak at 28 and then like be at your prime until 32. And then like this is, these guys, they peak early. So it makes more sense to, to go after guys at that range maybe and, and i think there's also an understanding that yeah. you know we, we talk about well you trade your first round pick well there's a huge difference between a first round pick from a playoff bubble team that could be in the lottery or 15th or 16th or whatever versus some of these teams that should be cup contenders i mean like you get the 30th pick in the draft that's got less than a 50 percent chance of even being a useful nhl player let alone an impact guy so i don't know i i, I feel like there's still like i get it but some inefficiencies yeah. and the market's kind of figuring stuff out but de- you know definitely the the days where it was like oh everyone's holding on to their first round picks nobody's gonna move for it's like it's like dude you you're trying to win a cut you're gonna have the 31st pick that was a mid-second round pick not that long ago now it's you know just because it has a one in front of it doesn't doesn't mean it should be untouchable but speaking of first round picks and that may or may not, that may be second round picks. Mm-hmm. Evander Kane goes to San Jose for a what's announced as a conditional first round pick, but it, they only get the first yeah. if he re-signs in San Jose or the Sharks win the cup, which both seem unlikely. Don't so think either really, happens. Really, it seems more like a second round pick. So, I, I, man, that was a tough deadline for the Sabres. I mean, because tough deadline to be, for... to be this bad <laughs> and make just that one deal to have a guy that, you know, on paper, just purely on, on the ice might be, might've been the best forward rental, at least available. You, you don't even necessarily get a first round pick for him and, and they don't move any of their other guys that, that they were, you know, the Josh Georges and, uh, you know, they're, they're other guys that they were hoping maybe they could get something for and they don't. Jason Botterill just can't can't get anything any kind of a market going. And I understand. I mean, the, these aren't good players, <laughs> but sometimes you know you gotta. Also, sometimes are, you gotta you gotta bad. create a market for bad players. That's that's part of the skill of being a GM of a bad team, which is what Jason Botterill is. I also don't get how the Red Wings couldn't trade Mike Green. Like I get the excuse he has the neck thing that could flare up at any point, but I mean. Yep. I I, the, I saw the Kevin Shattenkirk conditions last year on the, on his picks when he was traded. You can come up with conditions where, yeah. hey, Mike Green for a second. If he plays, you know, X amount of games, it's a fifth. If he plays this many games, I, I it's a first. I think the bigger problem with Mike Green was Kevin Shattenkirk last year. It, it, it was it was Carlson and McDonough <sighs> kind of clogged up everything. I think Green was probably a lot of people's plan B or plan C, but then Carlson and McDonough went right down to the wire. So there wasn't much time to circle back plus he had the no trade and there was there was at least one report that he yeah, either that. either didn't want to go to toronto or even that he maybe maybe there would have been a deal but he that that he he actually said no because he didn't want to play with for mike babcock um so i mean i get that 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 ties your hands but yeah you, you think this is one of those cases where when you're bad and you have a rental you, you got to you think you got to find a way you got to get I mean, something and, and you're right if that's conditional picks or whatever i mean they did it with uh with with the the deal with philadelphia for Mrazek. so you know they're clearly ken holland's willing to to do that i feel like that's the next frontier in nhl trades is getting more creative on the conditional side of things there's like a 2000 word press release describing what the fifth round pick could be based on 45 different scenarios that's what i want i want trades to be yeah. as complicated as possible when, yeah, when you're recording I, I would, I would absolutely, and you know, you share the risk around a little bit. And I understand there are times where, if you're a seller, you might be like, "No, I'm not taking the risk." You, you know, this guy might get hurt. You take him, and but you can get more on the positive side. Then, yeah, why not take a bit of risk? Yeah, I mean, 
you can build in the conditions. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you just just quick who who because we just lost one listener because we we just spent the last few minutes talking about trading for draft picks. So our apologies to Jim Benning who <laughs> has has tuned out because God. he has. I've never heard. I've never met anyone who's less interested in any topic than Jim Benning is in trading for draft picks because for what like the third third deadline in a row something like that they the, the the rebuilding vancouver canucks do not acquire a single draft pick also um, also i saw the quote from botchford too where jim benning said that they can't possibly start over until the sedines retire oh man like, are, that's are, are you an idiot like how are you running an nhl team if that's really something you would say out loud or think in your head as to be a real problem or roadblock between first of all their contracts are over at the end of this year like they're you yeah. don't have to bring them like back. if that the only way that comment makes sense is if simultaneously as you're saying it, the camera like cuts to the sedines being led into a room like joe pesci and it's just like <laughs> Yeah, and okay, and on that note, the no. rebuild begins now. Oh, like that's like it must yeah. be. I don't. It, it's I don't. so weird how the Canadian franchises, where you're supposed to have, you know, the, the birthplace of Canada and Edmonton, Vancouver, Ottawa, all these cities are just run by idiots. Just, just not not the cities, like, the teams, the cities. I mean, I'm sure have a great thing with government. Like, with Jim Benning, like I mean, I get like this guy. He was a first round pick, played in the NHL, was part of building a Stanley Cup winner with the Bruins like he's clearly not a dumb guy like I'm sure he understands <sighs> but it, it for whatever reason he doesn't see and, and I also get that you're you know GM especially on deadline day there's probably a lot of things flying around and if, if everything falls through you're not allowed to go up there and be like guys I had three deals done and you know they just fell apart other teams didn't you, call me back you know because you you're just not supposed to that's just one of those ah, things you have to ah. be this stoic. well you know we're happy we like our team so who knows? But yeah, you think it, it just it, it, the part that bothers me if I'm a Canucks fan is where he was saying like, "Hey, we wanted draft picks. We just we didn't have that opportunity. We didn't. There were none were made available." Eric and Branson could have gotten a pick or two. Well, no, but I mean, you look around the rest of the league, and there's like almost every trade has got a draft pick in it. So it's like, what is it about your approach to negotiating? <laughs> is cutting you off from the supply of picks that everybody else seems to have access to. Cause I don't like, I, I, I said they hadn't, I said it's been years. They, they did, they had the pick last year in the, in the Hanson deal, but they, they've got like, you look at their chart on, uh, on cap friendly, they've where they lay out the next three years of picks and it's just nothing but Canucks logos. They don't have <laughs> a single other team's pick anywhere in any of the next three drafts, which for a team that has finished, bottom five in the league year after year is just crazy to me and, and you know some of the deals like the when they traded burrows last year to the senators they got a real good prospect in that trade so i i get maybe that has more value than just getting a third round pick but yeah at some point you know like you, you gotta be you gotta be looking and saying like we're each individual deal yeah maybe but look take a step back look at the big picture guys we need more picks here this is this is what's going to fuel this rebuild if and when we ever get around to actually embracing it let's do some mailbag questions and then we can uh, get the heck out of here i think we're we're probably right around an hour at this point but you're you're enjoying it you can't get enough of the biscuits uh, marcus marcus on twitter wants to know or it's not really a question it's more of a demand but he says please so please provide a hypothetical tavares return what, what if the islanders had traded john tavares Based on what we saw at the deadline for rental guys like Rick Nash, yeah. what 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 sort of bounty could they have reaped from some team? I mean, oh, they would have got they would have got a, a t- I mean, far more than any two other team got for anybody. I three mean, firsts, like, three firsts, a prospect, and probably like a Ryan Spooner like, type. I would say, yeah, or you know, I could I could see like a well, I was going to say Montreal. I could see like a. A deal with Montreal where you get like a Galchenyuk or you know plus plus plus, but that you know that's assuming yeah. Bergevin would have been allowed to make that deal. Uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, you depending on what you, I I feel like that sort of deal. Even if you even if you're still saying we're going for it, we want to make the playoffs. That's a deal where you can get you know one or two guys that you can plug in. Like teams aren't going to say we won't trade off our roster if if right. it's that level of player available. So I. We're gonna see, man. I, I tell you, if John 
we've been over, you know, what we think is going on with Garth Snow. And, and you know, I, I understand the psychology of maybe not wanting to be the guy who moves John Tavares. But, oh, if he walks for nothing, that is, that's, that's, that's I would a pretty... say, a firing offense. But I apparently that phrase doesn't carry much meaning in the Islanders' front office. Adam Foreman, did Pittsburgh give that extension to Patrick Hornquist, which was five years at $5.3 million per, knowing that there will be compliance buyouts in 2020? <laughs> yes. I, 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 yeah. I don't it's know. Been... I, knowing, I don't know, but I, I think a lot of teams are kind of assuming that. Yeah. I think there's going to be that again. I mean, I had, five years, he's 31 now. He's scoring like 20 a year. That's a lot of money for 20 goals I, for a guy that's starting to get thing... older. Like three years ago on Grandland, I wrote a thing of like the worst contracts in the NHL and I did the top 10 and then I had like 10 more honorable mentions and somebody tweeted it back to me this week and they were like, holy crap, I just went back and read this and you were right on like 18 out of these 20. Like you were, ni-. and I'm like, that's, that's not a sign that I'm smart. That is a sign <laughs> that anybody can see that these deals are like, it's, it's not hard to look at these deals and go, that's going to be a mistake. That's going to be a mistake. It, it's, it's, I mean, it's the same. I mean, I don't know. I clearly, maybe Jim Rutherford doesn't care. Maybe this is, get him for a couple of years and then you're, you're chasing cups right now. And I, you know, if anybody can punt on three or four or five years down the line, maybe it's, maybe the Penguins are the team that's earned that right. But it's not, it's not hard to see these problems coming. Uh, Andy, Andrew Clark on Twitter says, is the lack of movement by the Capitals at the deadline, a sign that the towel has been thrown in on the Ovechkin Backstrom core. Um, probably, I mean, I thought last summer was kind of that towel in a way, but, uh, Japers rank JP was, was tweeting about how like the caps have a very good record. They're almost definitely going to the playoffs, but their record against playoff teams is putrid. So if you can't beat Boston and Tampa and Toronto and the Penguins, what's the point of loading up again? Because you're just going to lose to them again anyway. So Kind of. I, yeah, I do wonder how much of that is being realistic and saying, you know what, guys, we're not gonna we're not gonna make another rental. Versus how much of it is we did it last year, it didn't work, therefore we do the opposite this year. I don't know. It, apparently, reportedly, they may have been in on Carlson. So, you know, obviously they're they're not just looking to to stand pat necessarily, but yeah, I mean, I do understand why teams are reluctant to go down the, the big ticket rental road two or three years in a row where, you know, you, that, that does, that does put you in a situation like, you know, the Kings have done it. Some, a few other teams have done it. And, you know, a few years down the road, you're looking at the prospect pipeline. And you're like, we don't have anybody like this is, this is an issue, but, uh, yeah, I throw in the towel. You can't throw in the towel. You're locked into those guys. So maybe next year they'll do some stuff. Because I, you they're know, not going anywhere. I, I, I still feel, I mean, this is, I know I'm going to look foolish, but I, I feel like the Capitals being, once again, a really good team, but going into the playoffs as underdogs, which they will, even if even if they're first place in the Metro, we're all just going to be waiting for the collapse. Like, they're going to jump up and surprise us one of, the, one of these years. Mm-hmm. You say so. Um, our time is up, Sean. I've had a birdie whisper into my ear that we have been rambling for long enough. And I believe he's correct. And it's time to say goodbye. Um, I, I wrote about the Ottawa Senators today. Some people like it. Some people are mad and claim that everybody is happy that Eric Carlson stayed. So you can go on Twitter and yell at me so I can just hit the mute button and, and get ahead of get ahead of future stuff. Uh, go, to the, go to the Vice Biscuits Twitter account and, and, and follow it. And you can see the questions and the... And the links and all that sort of stuff, uh, the iTunes, the five stars, the ratings, you know the drill. And um, that's all I have to say. What do you have to say to the people, Sean? I, I'm looking forward to, uh, I don't know, I, I'm I'm here in Ottawa. I think I'm going to go try to visit this alternate Ottawa where fans are happy and <laughs> cheerful because it's I, I, I must have missed, yeah. missed a turnoff or, or something. But uh, I, uh, yeah, you can go, uh, go find my... Deadline winners and losers piece on sports, and it's still up there somewhere that will cover some of the same ground. But if if you're a fan of a team that we didn't talk about today or uh, or didn't talk about enough, might be some stuff in there. And remember, we wouldn't trade you for anything. Maybe maybe the thirty one thoughts 
audience, but that's it, right? No, no other audience. That's just... I'm, you know what? No, I'm, no. I'm, I'm open. I'm not, we're not shopping you, <laughs> but we are listening. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. You're great readers. Goodbye until next week. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.